Hello, and welcome everyone to the ninth edition of Tiger Kickoff, the podcast for the 2020 college football season. My name is Adam Cole, and I'm joined by our other two Columbia, Missouri, and Missouri football beat writers, Max Baker and Andy Kimball. And we are coming to you from a pre-recorded podcast recorded on Zoom on December 2nd, 2020. Guys, uh, I know we aren't uh, face-to-face today, but how are we doing? I'm doing good, you know? I mean, I'd rather we were together, but it's all right. Yeah, we had a little bit of a Thanksgiving break, but, you know, after that, I'm excited to get back into the season and kind of get towards the finish line. Totally. And it's it's certainly been, I, I guess, to kind of explain why we're not together. I know Missouri switched to all online classes, mostly online classes after Thanksgiving break. So Andy and I are here in Columbia, and I know Max Max is back home in St. Louis and Ladue, to be exact. Right, Max? No, I'm not in Ladue, but where, where are you then? I'm in, I'm in University City, home of uh, former Missouri Tiger Ron L. Perkins. Um, also home of, I think, Jason Tatum. Bradley Beal, I feel like, was first from here. I just moved here recently. so Yeah, so I'm, you know, when none of your roommates, when all your roommates go home for the next three weeks, I don't really want to be in Columbia alone. And although I'd love to see you guys, I'll see you, you know, when I see you. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, you know, we know you're still coming back to games. And of course, um, you know, this past Saturday, Missouri, um, Missouri took care of business pretty handedly um, with a 41 to nothing win uh, over the Vanderbilt Commodores. Really just, I guess, kind of a breeze of a game for them. Not a ton in those regards. Of course, history was made. Um, Sarah Fuller, um, a goalkeeper on the Vanderbilt women's soccer team uh, made history in Columbia, uh, becoming the first woman to ever play in a power football or a power five, excuse me, football game. Um, she executed a squib kick to uh, kick off the second half of the game. Um, but you know whether it was whether it was Sarah's appearance or other things you guys saw on the field, what uh, what stood out to you most in that Vanderbilt win? Yeah, I mean, you know, seeing Sarah Fuller's debut was pretty awesome. But I guess if we're you know, talking about from Missouri side of things, I mean, they looked, I mean, against Vanderbilt this year, teams have like either looked like, like every team's won, obviously. Vanderbilt hasn't won a football game. So, you know, every, as Rinkwood says, like, you know, they, a win, you know, everybody looks at the stats, but a win's a win. But I think they really dominated Vanderbilt more than any other team sort of had. So I think, I think that's what you kind of had to look at. Like Texas A&M only beat Vanderbilt by five. And you just saw, you know, the ground game with Beatty and Roundtree. You hadn't really seen that like the two of them really shine like they did. And, you know, you'd seen moments from each of them individually, but it wasn't really a complete game from that backfield. And I thought that, you know, really showed it. But again, I mean, it's Vanderbilt. I, I think this is the week we kind of see where Missouri is. And I think, you know, we'll get a gauge on if they have a chance against Georgia here too. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was kind of it just showed like the continued improvement of defense. I mean, it was Missouri's worst opponent of the season probably, but I mean, they had only the SEC's second shout out of the season I believe I mean everybody was kind of waiting for Sarah Florida a chance to kick a field goal but I mean Missouri didn't let Vanderbilt get any yards so that unfortunately didn't happen so I mean yeah I mean they pretty much summed down every facet of the game and I mean after the South Carolina performance where they were good and they were I mean almost perfect until pretty much the fourth quarter I mean I think that unit's kind of like come into its own a lot especially after struggling the first two weeks against good or I guess against Alabama and then Tennessee yeah, I definitely you mentioned the the South Carolina game. I thought it was really interesting because even though Vanderbilt is definitely like atrocious, they had had they hadn't been going through a coaching change ahead of their matchup with Missouri. And so I know going into the South Carolina game, I, I really was kind of like, okay, Missouri has an opportunity to really just like 
Like they can, they can win that game handedly. And of course they didn't, I think they only won it by a touchdown. And, you know, I think Max, you pointed it out to me, I think it was earlier this week, you know, Missouri, obviously like they expect to beat Vanderbilt, but like you said, I mean, they had a, like we've all said, they had a complete performance. They really put the game away. And so it's funny because in a week where it kind of felt like, okay, yeah, they, they did what they needed to do. There was definitely um, still that improvement. The other thing that I really, I think was a really good sign to see. Um, I think it was kind of understated much like the majority of his play, but I think Connor Bazelak completed passes to nine different players. He threw for 318 yards. I think he completed like 80% of his passes, didn't have a touchdown, but um, you know, in a year where he's still coming out and, you know, getting his first few starts of college, I, I think he's really continued to progress. And I thought Saturday's game was another kind of notable performance. So, of course, Basilak, whoever else, a lot of really standout individual performances um, and a lot to take from that Vanderbilt game for that Missouri team and to build confidence heading into this week, uh, which will definitely be an interesting matchup uh, with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, the battle line rivalry is um, returning to Columbia, and there's really a, a, a lot to digest. Of course, Barry Odom last year was on the Missouri sideline coaching against Arkansas. This year he will be on the Arkansas sideline coaching against Missouri. Uh, the same goes for Brad Davis, who was the offensive line coach last year, and Sam Carter. Uh, Sam Carter was a quality control assistant, if I'm right, last year, but he's the defensive backs coach for Arkansas. Um, ton of just uh, ton of Missouri-Arkansas ties going back and forth in this game. Um, Sam Pittman was an assistant at Mizzou uh, in the early 2000s. He's the head coach at Arkansas now. Of course, um, Aliyah Drinkwitz is a native of Alma, Arkansas, which is about, I think, a, it's like a 45-minute drive from Fayetteville. So he grew up rooting for the Razorbacks. It, it's, it's interesting to see, and I, I guess I'll put it as plainly as possible. I mean, we ask ourselves this every year, but does this year feel more like a rivalry than ever for this, you know, sort of forced, forced battle line rivalry? I don't, I don't think it's a rivalry. Like, I still don't think it's a rivalry. I think there's connections and i think that normally happens with when you have two good teams but like there's no i don't think the players hate each other and i don't think the fans hate each other and i don't think the coaches hate each other and if all three of the people you know if there's really not any of the, i mean it's a forced rivalry so i really don't i don't i don't think it's a rivalry like i don't think that's i think you can try as much as you want to like make the connection and say yeah this game is significance yeah i think it's a significant game like any significant game but I wouldn't say when a coach returns to their face where he used to coach it's all of a sudden a rivalry like I just I don't see that yet maybe it will be if they keep playing but it's the sixth year seventh year seventh year of it so yeah yeah I, mean, I don't think there's been any bad but I, mean, I know during what's Pittman have kind of texted each other and I think have kind of bonded over kind of rebuilding new SEC programs and so since they're close and kind of buddy buddy that kind of hurts the chance of it being like a real Rivalry, and I also think any kind of like disdain because of Odom leaving will just be temporary. Because I mean, with how successful he's been there, like who knows how long he's going to be there? Like he could move up somewhere else. I mean, probably not immediately, but I mean, he might not even be at Arkansas long term. And if he leaves, then I mean, it's just the same as it was like one or two years ago. And even if the like if the players like didn't you know weren't successful under Odom or didn't like Odom, it would be even maybe a little bit more like they'd want to beat Odom. But it doesn't even seem like they like. Obviously, they want to beat him. But, like, it's, it's not like we want to beat him because he was a bad coach or he put us in this position of having to rebuild. Like, it's not even like that. Like, the players are probably excited to see Odom, you know, on Saturday. 
I know you both kind of bring up like a, a mutual, you know, there needs to be like a mutual hate or like a, a disdain. And I guess this is getting a little more abstract with it. But I mean, do you guys think rivalries can like, I think it's going to be really interesting because both of these teams are performing a lot better than they have the last couple of years, I would say this year. And I think Saturday is going to be a really good game. But I mean, do you guys, how much do you think just good matchups help kind of build towards a rivalry, if that makes sense? I don't, I don't think they, I think one, Arkansas is going to have to win a couple games for it to be a rivalry. And I also think that there has to be significance in the game. Like, even if this is a great game and it goes quadruple, the game means virtually nothing. Like, I mean, neither the rivalries form when one team stands in the way of another team's championship or division title. And that's not what this is. Like, if both teams are vying, like in 2014, when Mizzou had to beat Arkansas to go to the SEC championship, it was sort of a, sort of a rivalry you know they had to win and it felt like Arkansas was going to play spoiler but like this these games like unless Arkansas rises to be competing with Alabama I just don't think there's a whole lot of you know when you look at the rivalries the big rivalries in football they're all between good teams like or teams that are always competing for championships so I don't I don't really see that right now in, within these schools yeah I think even when you like even when the teams aren't competitive like Michigan Ohio State hasn't really been competitive the last couple of years like there's still like beef there like Harbaugh and I guess Ryan Day or like Urban Meyer kind of had like disdain for each other and even with like Missouri Kansas like I if you ask Bill Self what he thinks about playing Missouri basketball he's not gonna be super jazzed about it obviously and so like I think like there's kind of like you kind of need like if the teams aren't super competitive you kind of need that disdain and like Missouri and Arkansas doesn't really have either of those right now, I guess. Yeah, M- M- Michigan, Ohio State, even that, like, Michigan's won one time in, you know, last, like, 12 years or whatnot, or it's been longer than that, I think. Um, but, the, I mean, those two schools have gone back and forth in, like, the eight, the 80s with Bo Schembechler. They had the one-versus-two matchup. I believe it was in 04, 05. Like, you just – they're even though – and they had – in 2016, they played for the – to go to the college football playoff. Like, even when it's not – you know, there's there there's been championship pass and schools like hate each other. Like there's no there's nobody in people aren't coming back to Mizzou to go watch Mizzou Arkansas over that. You know, thanks. I know it's not over Thanksgiving break. People weren't coming back to go watch Mizzou Arkansas over Thanksgiving break, and people aren't coming back up this weekend to go watch that game either. I mean, it's just not there's not a lot of excitement for this game over any other game. Obviously, we've talked a lot about you know the rivalry rivalry. I say that with air quotes. I know you guys can't see me. Um, but uh, we've talked a lot about the rivalry or what it what needs to be a rivalry. I guess looking at this just as another football game on the field, what do you guys think needs to happen this week for Missouri to win? What, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, does Arkansas have any edge because, you know, Barry Odom is on their sideline? What What are you guys seeing? What are you guys thinking heading into this? I think they have an edge because they've had a week off, but I don't think they have really an edge like over Missouri. I think that's sort of an advantage, you know, not having to play last week, getting healthy, getting their guys off the COVID list. But I don't, I don't know that having, you know, I think having Odom is an advantage because Odom's a good coach. I don't know that being at Missouri, Missouri's got a whole new staff offensively. Like I don't think they they didn't return one offensive coach. So I don't think Odom's knowledge of Missouri's, you know, he, he knows the personnel, but it's really, it's the players that are going to make the plays. like Odom knowing what Larry Rontree's going to do. doesn't, I don't know that that really helps the whole time. So, uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's going to give them an advantage. But I think you know, I think it, it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I mean, any like possible advantage would also like go both ways too. Like anything Odom knows about those players, like players probably know a lot about Odom too. So I don't think that really helps one person or another. Um, but I think like honestly, like 
it'll be a good test for Bazelak because, I mean, Arkansas is one of the premier pass defenses with Missouri and SEC, and Bazelak's kind of been in a position the last couple of weeks where he hasn't really lost Missouri a lot of games. I mean, he talked about kind of against Kentucky, like not getting bored with kind of taking check downs and making smart decisions, and that's what he, I mean, did most of the game against um, Vanderbilt. I mean, he didn't, like, light the world on fire, but he still had an efficient performance, just making good decisions. And, I mean, that's what he'll need to do. Because, I mean, Arkansas's defense kind of predicates itself on, like, waiting for you to make mistakes and capitalizing off those and making big plays. And it kind of gives you some, like, edge or wiggle room to kind of move up the field slowly. So, if he does that, I think they'll be okay. Score predictions. What are we thinking this week? Do we think Missouri's going to come out on top, or, or is it going to be a close one, or is this Razorbacks all the way? It's been the hardest game to pick all year, honestly, in my opinion. Like, even though I haven't been right every time, it still feels like the hardest. Like, I think Missouri's the better team, but for some reason there's this, like, piece of me that thinks Arkansas is finally going to win one. I don't know. I think I think Missouri being senior, I think, I think Missouri's going to win. I think Missouri's going to win, you know, real close, like 30 to 27 or something like that. It'll be a good game. Um, but I, I might change my prediction now, or I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not confident in that at all. I, I think this is the year Arkansas finally gets one because I'm just like waiting for them to win. I mean, they've had the week off. I think their quarterback, Felipe Franks, has actually been, been playing really well the back half of the year. And I think it'll be kind of a, a – I guess that this is kind of the best chance Arkansas has had in a couple of years and the teams are kind of evenly matched. And Arkansas has been in every game it's played and it's had a couple bad breaks. So I think kind of like the pendulum will swing and they'll probably get one or two their way this Saturday. So I'm going to go Arkansas 24-21. Andy, I kind of think I'm in the same boat as you. It's it's definitely like not only has Arkansas played well all season and like they've definitely gotten a couple bad breaks. I mean, they're what, three and five right now? Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, they could just as easily, if I'm right, be I think five and three. Um, you know, I know they technically, I think, should have won the Auburn game, but of course they didn't. You know, I also obviously we're not in that locker room, but I am curious if, you know, I know last week, um, Drinkwit said that he used newspaper clippings from the Vanderbilt loss last year to motivate his team. And obviously, you know, that wasn't one where maybe you need a little extra motivation to get over the hump. That's, that's a should win game, but you know, I I wonder if there's any extra chip on the shoulder um, for Arkansas, just because, you know, they want to go out there and, and play a little better for Odom or whoever else. I wonder how much that'll play into it. But, you know, I, I honestly, I do think Arkansas is going to pull it off. I think it'll be, I think it'll be really close. I wouldn't even I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it went to overtime. Um, but I guess for the sake of prediction, I, I'll go 28-24 Arkansas. With that, um, now we are going to head back into everyone's favorite game ever, um, mascot melee. So here's the breakdown. Each week, we're going to give you our predictions of who would win in a fight, uh, Truman the Tiger or the opponent of Missouri's mascot. Um, and of course, since early on in the season, we've, we've added a little variety to this uh, by picking our favorite mascot matchups from across the country. And I think we're going to go ahead and kick things off with Andy. Yeah, so my matchup um, this weekend is a little... I think it's kind of close to a real-life matchup. It's the Cowboys versus the Lobos, Wyoming versus New Mexico. And I think that one just kind of poignant because, you know, I think it would happen in real life, honestly. And I feel like the Cowboys would kind of have the edge because, you know, historically, Cowboys, Hunters. So that's a pretty pretty easy one for me, but that's the one that I ended up going with. Yeah, I mean, I chose I chose a pretty big game. I mean, I usually pick one of the more random matchups of the week. And I mean, this is sort of random, but I think Syracuse 
versus Notre Dame. I think you – I mean, if there was a time to run into Syracuse right now, I think now would be the time you want to run into Syracuse. And last place in the ACC at 1-9, and nine, having a really difficult year. I mean, they've had three different quarterbacks. Rex Culpepper has been one of the better ones. I mean, he had 51% completion percentage last week against NC State, but – I think he spiked the ball on fourth down to end the game, if I remember that right. Like, come on, Rex. Yeah, they have not really been able to get the ground game going. Sean Tucker, he's 525 yards this year. But, you know, other than that, they've really struggled. So I think this is a game Notre Dame has to obviously win. I think Ian Book's going to come out there. So I think I like Notre Dame. But the reason why I picked the mascots is because they're two of the least intimidating mascots, probably in college football. It's the orange, which is whatever you want to call it, a color or an orange which either way it's not that intimidating orange is like my least favorite color so it doesn't really scare me a whole ton and the fighting irish according on their website it says their poetry might be better than the fighting so i i mean it doesn't really seem like a, a very difficult you know it seems like a very not intimidating matchup i went to elementary school i was a spady turtle uh I don't know if that's intimidating either, but I don't, you know, I, th- I like intimidating mascots. Is it related to a terrapin? The spady turtle? The spady turtle. Any relation? I think they're brothers. That sounds about right. I, um, I went ahead and I picked uh, clearly the, the most exciting matchup of the week. Um, you know, no, no college football playoff contenders, but I went with winless Bowling Green against winless Akron. Um, that should be a really exciting one. Uh, you can tune into that one this Saturday at 2 p.m. on ESPN3. Really big matchup. Currently, uh, the latest odds have Arkansas, or not Arkansas, excuse me, Akron, similar acronym. Change it to the Watch ESPN app. Didn't they get rid of ESPN3? ESPN3, the Watch ESPN app, ESPN Plus. I don't know. It's all the same, isn't it? Well, they're not all the same anymore. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Watch ESPN app. ESPN Plus is subscription-based. I think you need to let the viewers know what channel it's on. I, we can get back to them later if we have to. Maybe we can write an article about what channel that game's on. But if it's on ESPN3, I don't, even, I don't think that link's going to work anymore. I'm sure that if you Google Bowling Green Akron ESPN, you'll get the, you'll get the link. I, I, you're making people Google. I don't. I don't want people to have to Google. I want them to be able to know where to find Bowling Green. If it's, it's two winless teams. You got This is a big game. ESPN three web. You'd have to Google ESPN three to get to ESPN three, wouldn't you? Like you can't get it on your TV. You now you're gonna have to Google ESPN three and realize that ESPN three is not a thing. Well, I man. You really, you really got me stumped here, Max. I, I don't know how to help these people. But also, I'm going to say, if you're actually going to watch Bowling Green Akron, I do think you need some help that is beyond getting access to the link to watch Bowling Green Akron. It does say it's on ESPN3 on my app at InfoCision Stadium. Have you, have you ever been to InfoCision Stadium? I, so, fun fact, my dad is actually from Akron, and I have driven through downtown Akron probably three times in my life. And that is a surprisingly nice stadium for that bad of a football team. Um, it is mind-boggling. I, unfortunately, as Max always does, provide great insight into the game itself. I have none because, of course, these are two winless teams. I don't know why you would tune in. But I really like the mascot matchup because I like Bowling Green. They're just the Falcons, but they have a lot of resemblance to um, Peregrine Falcons, if you know what those are. They're probably the most interesting kind of falcon. They generally live in like metropolitan areas because they swoop down to get their prey off of like huge buildings. 
They're the fastest bird in the world. Um, and then you've got the Akron Zips. Um, and I chose them because Zippy the kangaroo is absolute nightmare fuel. Uh, you should look him up. He has the beadiest eyes of, I think, like any anything I've ever seen. It's insane. And I also learned a fun fact from Andy before recording, and I don't want to take credit for it. So Andy, go for it. Yeah, one thing about the kangaroo is that kangaroo also has like the roundest and biggest nose I've ever seen. But all right, in terms of the name Zips, so apparently there's a B.F. Goodrich company in Akron in 1950. Then athletic director Kenneth Red Cochran, I hope that's how you pronounce his name, swore the name Zips from Zippers, which is a shoe named by named and made by B.F. Goodrich. So this kangaroo is named after a zipper. So I don't know if, how that affects the it's like ferociousness or anything. It's definitely like, it's not like, you guys know what five nights at Freddy's is. I never played it, but I've seen the characters and it looks like a character out of that game. I don't think we know what that is, man. I, that shows our age. Doesn't it on to Missouri's mascot melee matchup of the week. Max, Max, I think you have something to say. You, I, I would be happy inside into Bowling Green at, if you would like, I mean, I then, yes, come on. I know you're always do it. Go for it. Bowling Green has a quarterback named Matt McDonald, which I just think that's a. I think that's a good name. I mean, yeah. Number where's number three? You've they've really struggled to run the Terryon Stewart and Andrew Clare. Neither of them are above two yards on the season. I know it's only been four games, but leading rushers at 240 yards. But the number one surprising thing for me was that Akron's leading receiver has 123 yards this year. I mean, that's not a lot. That's, you know, they're really spreading the ball around if you, you know, if that's that's what you want to, you know, attribute that to. But, you know, three receivers over 100 yards. Look for Akron to spread the ball. Um, Zach Gibson likes to sling it. So, yeah, there you go. Matt McDonald versus Zach Gibson, one of the the two, you know, greatest quarterback matchups of the year, I think. I believe – if one of you wants to look me up and correct me if I'm wrong on this, I believe Akron has one of the worst losing streaks in college football right now, too. So watch Zach Gibson break that this weekend. Only something to keep an eye on, see if they can break the streak. But looking at the mascot melee matchup of the week, it is Truman the Tiger uh, versus Big Red of Arkansas. Um, and I will get into Big Red in a second. Um, but not only do we have a live mascot returning this week, we have, I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to assume that this is like a record for most college mascots in the country right now. Arkansas has six mascots, six different mascots, including their live mascot. Um, and we'll start off with him. That's Tusk. Um, they're currently on their fifth Tusk. Um, and he travels to every home uh, football game. Um, and he travels from a farm in, I believe it's pronounced Dardanelle, Arkansas. And that's where every single tusk has been from. Also, every single tusk has been male. There has yet to be a female tusk. But um, looking at the other four mascots that are not named Big Red, you have Suey, which is um, their female mascot. And if you guys don't know Arkansas's chant, um, it's Woo Pig Suey, so pretty good play on words there. You've got Pork Chop, which is the child mascot. You've got Boss Hog, which is a nine-foot-tall inflatable mascot. I believe Boss Hog generally makes his appearances at the basketball games. And then you've got Ribby, which is another play on words because it's spelled like ribs, but RBI is also 
known as Ribby, and he is the mascot for the baseball games only. So that's their first five mascots. And then you've got Big Red, which was like the introductory costumed mascot for the university. Uh, Going back a little further, the nickname itself comes from a run-in with LSU's former head football coach in 1909. Um, He saw some Arkansas fans hopping aboard a train after LSU lost to Arkansas, and he let them know that their team played like a band of wild Razorback hogs. Also, if you didn't know, uh, Razorbacks used to be fairly common in rural Arkansas. I don't know that they're as common anymore. Flash forward about 70 years Um, In 1980, Big Red was introduced as the Dancing Razorback, um, and he was known as that throughout the decade, of course, several iterations since. Um, But as per usual, 50-yard line, Truman the Tiger, Big Red, all-out brawl, who you guys got? You you want me to go, Andy? I think I I got this. I I think I know who's – I don't think Big Red is winning this. I've got one reason, and that is Twitter. Because Big Red has tweeted 1,224 times. That's not even the number. I mean, he's already invested, I think, way too much time into Twitter. I don't know anything. I didn't even – does Truman have a Twitter? I mean, I don't think Truman is focusing on Twitter. I think, you know, during the season you got to get off Twitter, and he's tweeted a lot. But the number one reason is that this mascot, Big Red's Twitter, followed the football team on Twitter after following baseball, track and field, volleyball, soccer, softball, women's basketball, well, tennis, tennis, swim and dive, men's golf, women's golf, gymnastics, and then he followed football on Twitter. So I don't even know if he cares about the football team. And I think if he's not even going to be motivated to, to come to Columbia for this team, like if he's focused, yeah, I mean, like that's fine. You know, he's got his priorities. Like I think that's okay, but I, I think Truman's going to be ready. I don't think he's going to be on Twitter. That, you know, Max, those are all good points, but I will say Big Red has tusks. And how do you, if you're Truman, how do you counter that? He also has Twitter. Which... I know. I do, do Tusks or Twitter, which one kind of balances out? I think, I don't know. I also think Big Red honestly looks more menacing than Truman. He's got those like knitted eyebrows. And I think he's got those like, I don't, I don't think horns are the right word, but like those little pointy ears that I think have some poke to him. And I think... I don't know. I just don't know if Truman's really built. I think Truman's a lover, not a fighter. So that's why I think Big Red's, Big Red's going to get the win this weekend. I would like to acknowledge that Truman the Tiger does indeed have a Twitter account. However, 71 tweets. 271. Yeah, I just, I just noticed. It. That's not a lot of tweets. It's not a lot of tweets, but also it's a fairly recent account. It seems pretty active. So Truman himself, Truman himself does indeed have Twitter. So... That is something to keep in mind. Both of these guys are on social media. They have distractions. I think it's going to be Big Red. And the Tusks are honestly a very good point. I didn't even think about that. But here's my thought. Truman, sure, he keeps up with, like, he stays in shape with mascot activities. That's great. That's fine. So does Big Red. But you know what Big's Red, Big Red's edge is? He's been dancing since he came like into fruition. Like the dude just has like a dancer's body, a dancer's build, a dancer's athletic prowess. He's gonna be moving all over that field. Truman won't be able to catch him. Is this a dancing fight or a fight? I mean, don't the best boxers aren't they? Like you know, I'm right, Max. Robinson looked like he was doing a lot of dancing, but not a lot of fighting. So maybe, maybe what? Yeah. 
boxing match I've ever seen was McGregor Mayweather. And all I know is that Mayweather danced all over the ring. And at a certain point, McGregor tired and Mayweather won. So that's um, the extent of my boxing knowledge. I think it's pretty apt here. I think it, I think it, I think it works hand in hand. No, that, that was great analysis. That was, that was, you should, I think you could start your own podcast on that. I think. Three listeners. It'd be. Listen, I mean, that was, that was some excellent analysis on what happened. I appreciate that. If, if you didn't watch the fight, you just got a, you almost like could pick, you almost, you almost felt like. Yeah. I think I'm going to go start my own podcast now, but uh, that pretty much does it for the ninth edition of Tiger Kickoff, the podcast for the 2020 college football season. Once again, I am Adam Cole, joined by Max Baker and Andy Kimball. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, um, it may be a distraction, but you can follow us on Twitter at Cole Reporter, at by Andy Kimball, and at Max Baker underscore 15. And if you want to keep up with what the Columbia Missourians doing, you can follow them on Twitter at Co-Missourian. If you want just the sports section, you can follow them at Como Sports. And if you want to read everything they're up to, you can head to www.columbiamissourian.com.